0: it's time now for north star sports your source for the hottest sports takes in the business here's your host owen ely hello everybody and welcome to north star sports i'm your host owen ely you can follow me on twitter at owen ely mn you also can follow north star sports on twitter At Northstar MIN. Be sure to check out our website at Northstarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, December 18th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neal, which will take place on Saturday, December 19th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, The final, the final card of 2020 what a long fucking year this has been in many aspects uh so like like dana white's been saying i can't wait for 2021 not sure why it'll be any different but uh you know maybe just the arbitrary flip of the uh the the, the calendar will uh do us all some good um so yeah crazy crazy to be here good to be here with uh with you guys previewing this uh special shout out to drew peterson the locomotive for tuning in and you know i'm poaching all my picks but don't worry homeboy i got some i got some tricks for you so uh you know thanks for thanks for poaching my picks um yeah a little a little housekeeping here um so we did just post a mock draft pre-week 15 although i mean thursday night football has already been played so i was a little late to that so uh, we we do have that. Did not put a whole lot of uh, deep thinking behind it, but it might be something interesting just to look at. Um, obviously, we have the rankings which we uh, talked about on Monday. Um, maybe we'll do something special for year end rankings. Uh, it'll be it'll be a little tough because I'd like to do you know maybe I could still do that do a snapshot of our final rankings and our first ever rankings and see what's changed. Obviously, we started doing rankings in like April or something, so it's not exactly, you know, from year to year, but I mean, it will be next year and going forward, but um, that might be fun to look at. Obviously, we'll have year-end awards for uh, the UFC or MMA or, or whatever, uh, fight of the year and, and stuff like that. I still got to go through and, and compile all of the categories and compile uh, all of the um, uh, potential fighters and And fights, but uh, that'll be something that'll be uh, interesting. And you know, if I pick fight of the year, it's you know, it's fight of the year. I mean, you know, I got expert judgment, which is why I might be starting a a scouting book. But you know, that's neither neither here nor there. Um. Yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping I have to get to. So uh, we can just jump right here uh, into the preview. Uh, Twelve fight card. Uh, obviously, uh, the, uh, the main event between Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal, I believe, was supposed to be the co-main event up until a couple of weeks ago when uh, Hamzat Jamaev and Leon Edwards, uh, the, the, their planned fight fell through. I think that's scheduled for the first, no, the second fight back, because the first fight back, I think, is a pay-per-view. Uh, or maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see that fight in, in about a month, uh, which, by the way, is going to fucking suck it's going to fucking suck not having the ufc for a month or maybe it's a little less than a month but either way like 3 weeks 3 saturdays it's going to fucking suck i mean you know football's heating up and and all that stuff that's cool but man there's nothing there's nothing like the ufc i might have to become a fan of fucking one fc or or brave or I don't want to become a fan of Bellator because Bellator is gross <laughs> it's gross but uh, I don't know man it uh, that that's that's gonna suck um, and a- as always uh, we'll talk about some of the cancelled and fizzled bouts obviously I just mentioned one between uh, Edwards and Chimayev. that probably would have been the most interesting fight on the card I think that's pretty safe to say um, but we did have, we did have a couple of actually really interesting fights uh, fall through Uh Let's see here. Duran Win fell through with uh, uh, Antonio Braga Neto. Uh, he is fighting Antonio Arroyo, which we'll, we'll get to later. Um, so it's you know it's fun watching Duran Win because he's five foot six and he's fighting at a hundred and ninety five pound catch weight. Uh, spoiler alert: I, I don't think that's going to go well for him. Not a not a whole lot of five foot six middleweights having a lot of success, let alone essentially a five foot six light heavyweight. Um, so that's ugh, man. I don't even want to go down that road. But um, we also had Bilal Muhammad. He was supposed to take on Sean Brady. Uh, that's really good matchmaking. Now that one fell through because Sean Brady uh, withdrew. I I, I could have sworn he was supposed to fight somebody else uh, on this card, or maybe maybe I was looking at uh, future fight cards and saw him on there. But you know, Sean Brady. I think he's like 13 and 0. Really. Uh, on the cusp of breaking out, and that would have been his first real, real test. I don't think Bilal Muhammad is ranked uh, for the UFC, but I am fairly certain, as I'll try to pull up the rankings for North Star Sports, pretty sure, yeah, we have Bilal Muhammad at 13. So, you know, even though Bilal Muhammad is kind of on the up and up, they're not going to they're not gonna rush him, uh, so he might have to take fights below him in the rankings, and obviously Sean Brady is well below him in the rankings because he's not ranked Um, But that would have been a really, really awesome fight. Uh, We had a, uh, well, Rick Glenn fell out with Carlton Minus. I'm not going to, you know, cry over that one. Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell. Okay. Now, here was a really interesting one. uh, At flyweight, Alexander, Alexandre? I never know how to pronounce tricky names. I mean, it's it's either Alexander or Alexandre. We'll go Alexandre because that sounds fancy. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja and Manel Cape. Um, that would have been a really interesting fight because that would have been the uh, UFC debut of Manel Cape, who, well, uh, he was champ over in Ryzen, and he's, he's had a couple of losses, maybe three losses, but they're all against, like, Kyoji Horiguchi and, like, really top-level Japanese uh, uh, flyweights and bantamweights. Uh, I, th- I, think I think he was knocking out people over there, too, so he does have power. Um, for uh, a flyweight slash bantamweight, I guess we don't really know. I mean, scheduled to fight at flyweight, I suppose he could fight in either uh, division. I think technically he was the bantamweight champ, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Ryzen has all their weight classes up a level, where like you know the the UFC flyweight champ is 125, but the like the one FC flyweight champ is like 115 or something. No, 135. So they go up. Uh, uh a level um but either way and pantoja is like i think he's ranked in like the top 6 or something um at flyweight so that's someone who uh you know once we figure out what's going on with davison and brandon moreno too you know that's someone who could um you know be a realistic uh title challenger probably with one more win i don't think a win over each other would be enough for a, a title shot although i mean fuck man you never know they give they give a title shot to alex perez so Never really know, but that would have been actually a pretty interesting one at flyweight because it's so shallow, and that's a real serious contender that they're bringing in to a, a, a pretty weak division. Um, we also were supposed to have uh, Misha Serkinov and Ryan Span. Um, I don't know, not not both of those fighters are not uh, super exciting. With all due respect, they're not you know flashy guys, but that the 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 matching there made a lot of sense uh we have cirkenov at 10 ryan span at 13 um so i mean a ranks light heavyweight fight missing out on it Yeah, whatever uh we had uh drew's boy draco rodriguez fall out against Eamon zahabi because zahabi tested positive for covid uh and uh carl roberson and Dolce Lungiambula, uh fell through also because of a, a positive covid test um I'm not crying myself to sleep that we didn't get to see that one either. Although, you know, I'll always have a slight soft spot in my heart for Dalshalum Gambula because he fought at the infamous, infamous UFC Minneapolis card and uh, knocked out Daquan Townsend, I think, in round three. Um, Yeah, so that's all the canceled bouts. Uh, We'll get right into it here with the uh, prelim opener. It's going to be a catchweight at 160 pounds between Carlton minus... And Christos Yagos minus is 10 and 2. Yagos is 17 and 8. We'll take a look here at the uh, odds coming from Odds Shark. And they will have Christos Yagos as the minus 325 favorite, uh, which is very significant in my mind. Um, but I, I can't say they're wrong because, you know, Yagos probably has 10 fights in the UFC at this point. Um, okay, maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a little, uh, o- o- overestimation on my part. He has five fights, uh, in the UFC, four fights in the UFC. Feels like he's been here for a lot longer than he has, I guess is my point. But, uh, you know, I went over Demir Hadzovic, uh, Mizutu, Hirota, uh, he does have a submission loss to, uh, Charles Oliveira, which is interesting because that was his UFC debut. So they just fucking threw him in. I mean, they, you know, that was Charles Oliveira towards... A little bit towards the beginning of his, uh, you know, ascent. But they just fucking threw him to Charles Oliveira, which uh, doesn't seem very smart. Um, I, I don't know a whole ton about Christos Iagos. Um, I did see Carlton Minas' uh, debut fight. Um, so he's, he's 27. Uh, he lost to Matthew Semelsberger. Uh, he, he fought uh, in Alaska FC which, you know, I love. I love Alaska FC. I think that's where Jared Cannonier came from, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he fought former uh, Team Alpha Male coach Justin Buchholz uh, in Alaska FC, or maybe that's a different Justin Buchholz. Uh, nope, that's that's a correct one. Uh, he beat him. He beat him, though. Um, fuck. I, I'm going to go Yagos just because of the betting odds. Again, I, I don't know a whole ton about either of these guys because they've kind of had insignificant – UFC careers uh, to this point. Um, let me see. Let me see if the UFC has any interesting uh, stats on these guys because I'm trying to get a little more into uh, into stats here. Although it's kind of tough to figure out with guys who um, uh, have have not been in the UFC for a long time. So yeah, not a whole lot on uh, on old Carlton minus. But yeah, we'll go Yagos. So I guess by decision because I mean your guess is is literally just as good as mine. It's just as good as mine. All right, moving on here. Uh, On the prelims, we have a uh, flyweight fight between Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. Flick is 15 5. Cody Durden is 11 2 1. The odds have uh, Jimmy Flick as the minus 155 favorite. Now, this. I believe we were supposed to get this fight last week, or maybe two weeks ago. So this was a fight that uh, had had fallen through uh, recently. Um, I don't know. It, it should be a good one. I mean, I'm, it's tough to get into flyweight fights just because. I mean, the division doesn't really matter. Like the top five matters, I suppose. You know, because anybody in the top five could get a title shot. But you know, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the flyweight division to round out. You know, its top fifteen. I mean, we, we have a Dickens of a time trying to make a top 15 because it's like, well, this guy's 1-0. and Let's put him at fucking number 13 because, you know, there's just like 18 flyweights on the roster. So, I mean, it's actually kind of embarrassing if you're a flyweight and not ranked because it's like, you know, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um. Yeah, Jimmy Flick, uh, He this was a guy who last fought on the Contender Series. So, this is his UFC debut, although... Uh, I'm not going to do this because this seems like a shit ton of work. But I, I, I wonder... I bet it's true that Contender Series guys who come to the UFC probably have a higher winning percentage for their first fight than people who just get signed from uh, outside of the organization. You know, because a lot of people talk about the UFC jitters, like, you know, being very nervous for your UFC debut. And, you know, like I always say, a lot of great fighters have lost their debuts. But I wonder... I wonder what the winning percentage is for newcomers and what it is for contender series guys because you've you've essentially already had a fight in the UFC. And especially now, especially this year, where like, you know, okay, so in 2018 you fight at the Apex and then you're fighting at uh, the target center. and it's like, okay, well, that's a new place, that's a new crowd. you know that's that's interesting. But, you know, a lot of these guys probably were fighting in front of nobody, so they're used to not fighting with crowds. And, uh, you know, all of, the, all of these fights, unless you're going to Fight Island, which, you know, I mean, that's half of the fight, so that is fair. But, you know, you're, you're also just fighting at the apex again. So it's a familiar, everything's familiar, which I, you know, I, I, I think is, uh, uh, I don't want to overanalyze, you know, that, but I think that is a, a very important thing. Um, so that that's interesting. Um, obviously, obviously guy not not a, not a super great record there at 15 and 5 but you know you get to the UFC uh, for a reason. This guy has a lot of finishes, a lot of submission finishes. Uh, these are two uh, pretty tall, pretty tall flyweights. They're 5 foot 7. So so Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden who both had to weigh in today at 125, well, I guess technically 126. But who had to weigh in at flyweight are taller than Duran Wynn, who had to w- who weighed in at 195 fucking pounds? That's insane. I understand body types are different, but I mean that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, two two tall uh, flyweights, and actually they have pretty good reach uh, for being five foot seven, sixty eight inch reach for Flick, sixty seven for uh, Cody Durden. I mean that's that's not bad at all. I've been, I've been more fascinated by arm length uh, recently because I mean height. Height's kind of important, but honestly, not really. Honestly, not really. The only thing that really matters is reach. Um, but yeah, Cody Durden, uh, he made his UFC debut uh, back in August, and that was against Chris Gutierrez. That one went to a uh, a draw. Now, I want to go to MMA decisions to, to pull this up because uh, I remember that fight being very interesting because it was – it was a close fight, but I could have swore that each round was pretty, pretty one-sided. So it looks like that's right. Yep. So Cody Durden just, and I think this was the fight after Chris Gutierrez had all those, or had that uh, leg kick KO. He got 10 ten aided, got ten aided, and then it looks like Gutierrez won rounds two and rounds three. Okay, so actually it was pretty consensus. It was, it was Durden just whopping Chris Gutierrez, and then Gutierrez winning the next two rounds. Um, I remember that. So, yeah, Dur- Durden, they kind of gassed out a little bit. Now, that fight was at 135, and I'm pretty sure Gutierrez has fought at featherweight. Um, so, I mean, he definitely fought the, the bigger guy, even if they, they weighed in at, at the same. Um, so, I mean... I was definitely impressed with round number one. I'm not going to say I was impressed with the overall total performance because rounds two and rounds three were uh, a little uh, lackluster there. Um, That's tough. You know what? I am going to go with Cody Durden. I know he's he's the slight underdog on this, but I mean, at least we've seen him in the UFC and... I don't know. I, I do think pretty highly of Chris Gutierrez, you know, at least as, as highly as you could think of somebody who's, you know, still very young in their UFC career and not very, and, and not ranked. And, you know, I, I think Gutierrez only has like three fights in the UFC, but, uh, you know, that, that leg kick KO against, um, shoot, blanking on his name, irrelevant, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go Cody Durden uh, on this one. All right, we have a very interesting prelim here uh, with Tafan Nshukwi taking on Jamie Pickett in the middleweight division. Uh, Nshukwi is 4-0. and Jamie Pickett is 11-4. and uh, Nshukwi is the minus 350 favorite. Uh, I do not envision this one going past... I'm going to go round two just to be safe because, I don't know, sometimes I predict round one... Okay. KOs and, uh, you know, sometimes they're they're just more patient. They're more patient than I thought. But I, I don't really see this one going the distance. Um, I definitely would have Tafan and Chukwi winning this fight. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I, I think whoever wins this fight is going to win by knockout. I mean, you know, Pickett's very capable of a knockout. But, I mean, and, and Chukwi, it, it is tough. And I hate to see guys like this in the UFC just because... Ah, sometimes it just throws your development off so I, I hope it works out for enjuqui because this is a guy who's four and 4 four and0 in the UFC man there's not a lot of fighters who come in the UFC at 4 and0 and have a successful career you know sometimes you're sometimes you're cursed with talent you, you're so talented that the UFC has to bring you in before you're ready and it it, it doesn't work out I mean, fuck. I mean, we just had this this discussion on Monday with with Chase Hooper. You know what I mean? Like, that's a guy who needs a couple more years, and and a handful of more fights. You know, on, on a regional level, to get better. Uh, but I, I guess the the thing that would be going for him is it is it is light heavyweight. Oh, excuse me. So it's not middleweight. Um, so it is light heavyweight. So it's a bigger division. So you know, you're you're gonna get. On the whole, you're going to get more to less rounded guys, maybe guys with less experience. Um, but yeah, shit, I, I don't see this long-term working out for Njuqvi. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I mean, man, that's just fucking tough. But I, I do think he will get past Jamie Pickett here. Um, this was a guy who uh, knocked out uh, Al Matavau on the Contender Series uh, back in September, and that was that was a pretty good performance. Now Al Matavao, uh, he might have been he definitely was fighting a weight class up. He might have been fighting two weight classes up. So he's five foot eight with a sixty seven inch reach, which is the exact same as Cody Durden. Um, so I, you know it, it's it's tough because it was a relatively dominant performance. He was hurting uh, uh, Al Matavao. But it was a guy who never should have been up. He didn't even come in at the limit, uh, at the light, light heavyweight limit. So it, it's tough when you see a dominant performance because you want to you wanna take away all the positives. But it was really against competition. He never should have been fighting. Uh, and, I mean, props to Mataval because he fought like a fucking dog in that fight. He really did. Um, now, the, the, the one win that's really, really standing out to me is his win over William Knight Uh, because, I mean, and I think William Knight is scheduled to fight uh, on the next pay-per-view against uh, who's he supposed to fight? Oh, Alonzo Menifield! holy shit, that's all that's first team all body those guys are fucking to say they're jacked would be an understatement but, you know, he he put a a dominant unanimous decision performance on Alexa Kamer and uh, knocked out Cody Brundage on the Contender Series, so you know it's tough because, because now I'm doing MMA math. You know what I mean? Well, well, he beat this guy and this guy, but you know that that's that's pretty significant because a lot of people do think highly of William Knight. Um, now Jamie Pickett, this was the guy who was on the Contender Series three times, I want to say. So he uh, he really hasn't lost a fight in the last couple of years, except for on the Contender Series. So he just dominates on the regional level a lot of finishes, a lot of knockouts which is why I think it is possible anything anything's possible so he could knock out uh, in Shukui. but he got choked out on the contender series his first time around by Charles Bird. Uh, got a couple more wins came back uh, lost to Pune Haley Soriano and then came back and beat uh, Jonathan Patti uh, knocked him out in the second round. but again it, it's one of those it was one of those contender series matchups. Where like, I don't know. I mean, Jonathan Potty was six and three. I mean, did we ever did we ever think he was gonna win? I want to I want to say Jamie Pickett was of the heaviest of favorites in that fight. So he's got a cool story. You know, good for him. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. Like I hope things work out for him. Uh, th- this is probably one of the easier toughest matchups you could get if that makes any fucking sense because you are fighting a guy who's four and zero. like jamie pickett has fucking three times the amount of in octagon time you know as, as a professional mixed martial artist but you know you're kind of going up against a guy who people think is you know a fucking uh cameroonian prodigy uh is he from no he's from cameroon oh nope wrong person Let's double check here. No, he is from Cameroon. Okay, so I was I was right. Yeah, uh, so you know a Cameroonian prodigy, you know, kind of like uh, Francis Ngannou, who uh, probably is going to be the UFC heavyweight champion at the, you know at some point uh, in the near future. But yeah, we'll go we'll go. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but yeah, we'll go in Chukwe by uh, first round KO. Not that it matters because this is the prelims, but uh, yeah, we'll go in Chukwe. All right, moving on here. Uh, we'll have a women's flyweight fight between Jillian Robertson and Talia Santos. Uh, Robertson is 9-4. and four. Santos is 16-1. and one. Uh, We have Jillian Robertson as the minus-120 favorite. Talia Santos is the minus-110 favorite. Don't know how they could both be the, the favorite at the same time. I'm going to tell you right now, Jillian Robertson is going to win this fight. Uh, I, I think very, very highly of Jillian Robertson. Probably... Probably a top three wrestler at flyweight. I guess it would depend on on who you would classify as a flyweight, <laughs> and and you know, because we see so many we see so many strawweights come up to flyweight that it's it, it's tough. But I mean, just a savant on the ground, uh, you know, someone who came into the U- UFC incredibly young. I think she's still uh, insanely young. Like she's like twenty. Yeah, she's twenty five. So uh, I I think. I think very, very highly of, of Jillian Robertson, perhaps even high, even uh, even even more highly uh, than uh, Macy Barber, although that's tough because she's kind of been on ice, you know, since the uh, the ACL tear, um, so perhaps that's a recency bias. And obviously Macy Barber has a first-round finish over Jillian Robertson, although, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, it was stopped pretty darn early, and I'd love to see those two rematch at some point in the future, which I think is, is definitely going to happen because, you know, they're they're both going to be around for a long time. Um let's see here. They're both ranked. I know that. We'll try to pull up the North Star Sports rankings here. Uh Jillian Robertson is number 12. Talia Santos is number 15. Um Yeah, I, again, I I don't know a whole ton about Talia Santos. Um although I I have watched her fights, but you know, not very closely. But again, I have seen a lot of Jillian Robertson because she stays uh, very, very active. I love her ground game. Um, she she is coached by Dean Thomas, who I who I think is one of the better uh, coaches out there. So um, you know if she could if she could improve her striking, uh, I think that's probably one of the most well-rounded fighters uh, out there. Uh, now the the big thing that's leaping out to me is they're they're both the same height. They're both five foot six, five foot five. But the the reach advantage for Talia Santos is fucking crazy. It's five inches longer, um, so that's that's pretty darn significant. Uh, her average fight time in the UFC, although I, don't, I think it's only two fights, so it's it's not very relevant. But you know she's always gone to a decision. The average fight time for Jillian Robertson is five five minutes and fifty seconds, which I mean that's that's crazy because she's had fucking one. Two, three, four, five, six. I don't know if they count the Ultimate Fighter, but at a minimum, she's had six fights in the UFC. Now, I mean, three of those, uh, or, or two of those, uh, at a minimum, were losses. But that's that's crazy. Like you see a lot of like UFC welterweights who don't have average fight times that are, are you know five and a half uh, minutes. So that's that's crazy. Um. Yeah, and, and this kind of proves my point with the striking. Uh, 2.1 significant strikes landed per minute, 2.7 absorbed. Uh, so, yeah, got to improve. You never want to see the absorbed higher than the uh, landed. Although she is landing 50% of her significant strikes, although I don't think that's exactly a testament to her you know, boxing ability. I, I assume uh, you know the, the, the vast majority of those 50% were probably ground strikes. Um, but but she is very very active, so I'll will harken back to her fight with Courtney Casey. That's that's the one that really did it for me, because uh, and you know Courtney Casey, someone who's you know 500 in the UFC, whatever, but someone who's been in the UFC for for a hot minute and a very active fighter in her own right. But you know just dominated her on the ground, dominated dominated her on the ground, uh, you know for I mean 14 and a half minutes, but always. Always was searching the finish, and then choked her out with a rear naked choke with with 28 seconds left to go. So someone who's very very active, someone who's not exactly going to stall, you know, in positions. Uh, you know what I mean? Where the ref is going to stand it up, or the fight's going to become boring. So um, you know, I, I, I'm with Jillian Robertson on this one. I think she's. Uh... Oh boy. I mean, you guys know my. And thank God this is not a main card showdown fight. But you guys, you guys know my position on female fights. I mean, the numbers would tell you that that regardless of weight class, although obviously you know the knockout percentage gets higher as you go from you know women's strawweight to women's bantamweight, of course. But you know the majority, the vast majority of female fights go to a decision. But Jillian Robertson, ah, that might be the one exception for me. Uh, or th- th- there's a handful, but you know that might be a fighter who's an exception for me. I mean, 3.4 takedowns. Uh, per per 15 minutes, and uh, 1.9 or uh, 1.29 submissions uh, attempted, and so that also tells me uh, w- when you look at uh, the uh, let's see, she has three submission uh, victories in the UFC, but only 1.29 submission uh, attempts per 15. So that I mean, and again, the the the, the level of competition has to factor in. She's not she, she's not really fought top 10 fighters top five fighters to this point but when she goes for a submission she generally gets it she generally gets it that's that's a pretty high uh percentage if i'm not you know misconstruing the 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 numbers you know Uh, so i am gonna go jillian robertson round two submission I, i think she gets the finish on talia santos all right moving on to my favorite fighter in the ufc uh, Daron Win he's going to have a fight with Antonio Arroyo uh, at a catch weight of a uh, 195 pounds. Uh, Daron Win is six and two. Antonio Arroyo is uh, nine and three. Arroyo is going to be the minus 165 favorite. Uh, yeah, this this fight will be interesting. This fight will be interesting. It's a bold, it's a very 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 bold strategy. Of Duran Wynn to come in at 195 pounds, especially when the UFC. So, winning's always important in the UFC, don't get me wrong. But earlier in December, Dana White said that we're we're probably looking at cutting 60 fighters. Now, that's a lot of motherfucking fighters. A lot of fighters are going to get cut. So, Duran Wynn someone who is fighting and i'm not even remotely kidding 3 weight classes above what he should be at who's on a two fight losing streak i, I wouldn't i wouldn't really fuck around and fight at 195 cuz if I, i'm not even mincing words about it and i don't have i don't work for the ufc i don't have the power to fire him but i would almost guarantee Almost guarantee that if Deron Win loses his fight, he's cut. I would almost guarantee it. I would almost bet everything I have that Deron Win will get cut if he loses, no matter the performance, no matter if, if he gets heel hooked in 45 seconds, or if it's a fucking fight of the year candidate. If if he loses, I would almost guarantee to you that he gets cut. So, I will never. Never predict that Duran win will win a fight as long as he's a fighting above welterweight So it goes without saying that I'm picking antonio arroyo, and that's not even because I'm particularly fond of antonio arroyo That's just fucking on principle. That's just on principle and the the thing is Even well 195 but antonio arroyo is a, a middleweight. I don't know why this fight is at 195 I, I guess because they don't want to cut weight Okay, who wants to cut weight? But Antonio Arroyo's pretty darn tall for middleweight. He's six foot three, so we have a six foot three fighter versus a five foot six fighter. Now the the reach is actually pretty crazy, because Deron Wynn has a seventy inch reach, and Antonio Arroyo has T Rex arms, so he only has seventy three point five. So the the reach is not as crazy as you'd think, which. I guess is more important than the height, but I mean, Jesus, man, like that's nine inches. That's fucking nine inch difference. Like I can't even comprehend how this fight got put together. Um, if I was Antonio Arroyo, I'd just put my 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 palm on Duran Win's head like you would do to a small child and just hold him there. Ugh, this 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 fight. I'm gonna watch it. But I'm gonna watch it out of out of you know just the, the you know just out of curiosity. But again, I, I do think Duron Wynn is a talented fighter. I, I I do. You know, this was a guy who I believe he wrestled at Oklahoma State. Obviously, uh, I wouldn't call him a prodigy of of Daniel Cormier because uh, I don't know their relationship. I think he also coaches at the high school that Cormier coaches at. But like, this is a guy. So I assume, yeah, he also fucking. Is affiliated with AKA, so this is a guy who has top of the line training. I assume he's an elite wrestler, but again, I'm not even kidding. Like, he's a welterweight, and not even a good, not even a good welterweight. Because if you're five foot six at welterweight, I would still probably tell you to go to 155. And even at 155, you're always going to be the shorter guy. You're always going to be the shorter guy at 155. A five foot six. I think we looked this up. Five foot six. Uh, it, it is the height of an a, of uh, an, an average bantamweight in the UFC. So, but again, I understand body types are different, uh, completely. I I get it, but like, man, it is ridiculous to be like. So, you, ugh, I don't want to rehash this because weight weight is a very big issue for me with fighters in the UFC. But like, so you don't even take weight even remotely serious if you're coming in at 195 pounds at five foot six. Like, you don't even, like, who knows how good Duran Wynn could be if he fought at, even, say, welterweight, which is still, he shouldn't even be at welterweight, but say he is. I'm like, dude, who knows? Maybe you could be a top 15 fighter. Who knows? Your wrestling is probably really fucking good, man. But, like, so you don't even eat a salad if you're at 195. You don't even, you don't even eat leafy greens at that point. Like, what the, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, but, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go Antonio Arroyo. Uh, on this one, I just, I, I quite honestly do not even see a, a path to victory for Duran Win. I, I, I don't even see a path to victory. All right, moving on here. Still on the prelims, we'll have a bantamweight fight between Penny Kianzad and Sejara Eubanks. I'll just double check here to see. You know what? The, both these fighters might actually be ranked because I think. I think the bantamweight division is that shallow. They are. Oh, would you look at that! Kianzad is uh, our number thirteen bantamweight, and Sajara Eubanks is number fourteen. Oh, yeah, that is a rough state of the women's bantamweight division. Um, now, let me uh, let me see here. The odds for this one are going to have uh, Eubanks as the minus one sixty favorite. Um, boy, this is a tough one to pick, cause I. ...have never really been impressed by either fighter. I have not been impressed by their performance. Um... Shoot. I wish I had a coin. Maybe there's, a like, a coin on the ground or something. Is there a coin in here? Dang, I wish I had a quarter. Because I'd flip it. Because I... I don't really care who wins this fight, but I, I really honestly don't even know who wins this fight. I want to go with Eubanks just because she's the favorite... But like, I don't, I don't know. So Kianzad lost to Avila, beat Jessica Rose Clark and Betch Koheya. Hmm. And Eubanks. Hmm. Man, that's tough. I'm gonna go Sajara Eubank, Eubanks. Uh I I think she's a bigger dog than uh, Kianzad. Uh, she fights enthusiastically. So. That's a that, that's a big deal for me, but yeah, honestly, I don't I don't, I don't really know. I don't watch these two fighters, but well, yeah, we'll go we'll go Eubanks. All right, moving on. They say this is on the prelim, but I honestly I I, I never know anymore with the UFC. So this actually might be the main card opener, but uh, yeah, who knows? It's just, it's just a fight that's on the card. We don't we don't know where it's where it's placed. Uh, but we have the strangest strangest matchmaking here. We'll have Anthony Pettis at welterweight taking on Alex Morono. Pettis is 23 and 10, obviously the former uh, lightweight champion. Uh, And uh, Morono is 18 and 6. Pettis is the minus 235 favorite. Um, I forget. Do we have Pettis ranked? We have him ranked at number 15 uh, in the welterweight division. A very loose Fifteen, uh, not 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 a solidified fifteen, but uh, this fight, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Morono. You got to take on a former champion, but for Anthony Pettis, well, what are we, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't understand this at all. If you're, if you're Pettis, I mean, he has only thirty-three, but you know, he's got some miles on the old, uh, on the old car there. Um, what do you get from beating Morono? I mean, I think he'll win. I think he's, he's miles and miles, uh, apart when it comes to, to being the better fighter, but I don't get, I mean, you get another UFC dub, you get a paycheck, but what, what, what kind of, what is this doing for you? I mean, if you're, if you're Pettis, I don't think you're ever going to fight for the title again. You know, you've definitely been losing a lot of fights recently. So like it might, you might be at the point where you want to consider, uh, you know, legacy fights. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying go out there and beat the shit out of Clay Guida, but like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what this does for you. Um, yeah, let's see here. Holy smokes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's five and eight in his last 13. Ah, that is, that is not good. That's just, that's just not good, but he'll sprinkle in really good performances. In all those losses, like the the Superman punch knockout of, of Wonder Wonderboy Thompson, f- ah, that's that was a really good knockout. That was a you know people thought he he had arrived at welterweight because of that knockout. And it goes without saying all every single one of these losses are to really really fucking good fighters. I mean like Carlos Diego Fajeda, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, Edson Barboza, uh, Eddie Alvarez, uh, RDA... I mean, so he's not losing to, you know, nobody's. He's never lost to a, a, a bad fighter. Um, and, and not definitely not that Morono's a bad fighter. But uh, one of these things is not like the other. So I think Pettis is going to get it done probably by a knockout. But, uh, you know, in, in defense of Morono, I, I really liked his last performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Against uh, Reese McKee. I really, really liked that performance. Now, again, we see a lot of wins recently for alex morono which is probably why he's getting this uh you know really really interesting fight and a lot of losses for pettis but again the the losses for pettis were against yeah maybe not elite fighters but definitely good ranked fighters a lot of them and morono the wins are against reese mckee and max griffin and zach otto and you know no disrespect to those guys but they're not in the rankings so i i felt really really good about McKee's last performance or excuse me uh Morona's performance against McKee uh because man he tuned him up I mean he had he had a lot of power behind his shots he was really sitting behind his shots and just landing at will like it it was something crazy like he landed like 90 strikes in the first round or something or maybe I'm exaggerating but he landed like a fucking crazy amount of strikes uh I I think it was like close to historic uh, amount of strikes on on McKee but again McKee's a young guy. He's, he's a, a, a newcomer. I mean, that was his second fight in the UFC. So it's like, well, we got to look at the talent levels here. Uh, and Morono was a guy who just in February got knocked out in 27 seconds by Chaos Williams. Now, Chaos Williams appears to be very, very legit. But again, that's a guy who only has two fights in the UFC, and that was his UFC debut. So I don't think this is even close. I'm actually really, really surprised that the betting odds only have Anthony Pettis as a minus two thirty five favorite. That's that's really intriguing to me. I I wonder why that is. I think that's pretty safe money to, to bet on Anthony Pettis. Because uh, again, you got to be talking about like. Well, I don't think Pettis could become champ again, but you know that's that, that that's a separate discussion from whether or not he could beat Alex Morono. Um, Let's see if there's any interesting interesting relevant okay so apparently this is well the ufc has this on the prelims on their official website so we'll i think we were correct to call it a a prelim fight here but uh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll double double check here you know a lot of the a lot of the stats are very similar it's just the the competition level is is wildly wildly disproportionate um and this kind of surprises me. Anthony Pettis, three significant strikes landed per minute, 3.5 absorbed. So I guess Anthony Pettis is there to be hit. And Alex Morono does land 4.42 significant strikes per minute. Uh, and he obviously pieced up uh, Reese McKee. But again, it's just the competition level. All of, all of these stats are, are, are fine when you look at them uh, in in a vacuum. But it's, it's, it's just you know, there's, as Corey Anderson once brilliantly said, and, uh, as he ironically is now in Bellator, you know, there's levels to this. There, there's levels to this. All right. Let's move on here to the main card. We're going to have a heavyweight fight between Marcin Tibura and, uh, Greg, the Prince of War. What the fuck are we calling Greg Hardy these days? Uh, Greg Hardy, uh, who is seven and two. Um, the odds for this one are going to have uh, Greg Hardy as the minus 125 favorite, Marcin Tabora as the minus 105 favorite. Again, no fucking idea how that's possible. Uh, I I would, uh, I'd probably moderately favor Greg Hardy in this one, although it is tough because, uh, you know, Greg Hardy does beat up a lot of cans. Yes, Well, I'm not even going to say it, but you could run a quick Google search on Greg Hardy, and uh, find out a lot of interesting stuff about him. But uh, yeah, th- this is an inappropriate fight, you know, because we've seen Greg Hardy fight Volkov, lost that one pretty handedly, and, uh, you know, then kind of rebounded with a couple of uh, no name fighters. And, uh, you know, now Chibura, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, a guy who's been around for a while, but, you know, probably is at the end of whatever he's doing here in the UFC um, yeah, I, I don't know, man, this, this is a tough one, um, so just very quickly getting it out of the way, looking at the rankings, we do have Greg Hardy and Marcin Tabora ranked, so we'll have Greg Hardy at 14, Tabura at 15, a very soft 14 and 15, because, you know, heavyweights are never particularly deep, um, but I don't know. Part of me, part of me wants Greg Hardy to win, just because I want Greg Hardy to face a, you know, a, a quality opponent, because I want to see him get viciously and brutally knocked out for a very long time. Uh, although if Chibura wants to do that in this fight, that's totally fine by me. I just don't think it's, uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, you look at uh, Chibura's last couple of fights. I mean, he is he is on a winning streak, which is why we put him at fifteen. Um, you know, uh, a win over Sergey Spivak. So his 2020 has been fucking excellent. I mean, his, his 2018, 2019, not very good. Uh, a loss to Verdum, Lewis, he beat Struve, a loss to Abdurakimov, and a loss to Sakai. But, I mean, 2020 is just going in Marcin Tabura's way. I mean, he's got uh, three unanimous decision victories uh, uh, over uh, Spivak, Grishin, and uh, Big. Ben Rothwell, the King of Kenosha, all res- respectively. So I mean, not three wins over each of those fighters, um, but ah, I don't know. I think it comes to an end here. I mean, I, I-, I don't know. I've definitely underestimated Marchi and Tabora before. Uh, I think I underestimated him in that uh, Ben Rothwell fight, but you know, he, he is he is 35. Um, I don't know. I'll go. I'll go. Greg Hardy by TKO. Who knows what round? Because you know, who knows who's listening to this uh, this broadcast here. Um, let's see here. All right, moving on here. Still on the main card, we'll have a uh, a pivotal bantamweight matchup here between Magic Marlon Marice and Rob Font. Marlon Marice is twenty-three seven and one. Rob Font is seventeen and four. Uh, we'll take a look here at the North Star Sports odds. They will have. Marlon Marice, uh at 14 and Rob Font at 11. Now that doesn't seem... Let me, let me look up Marlon Marais here. Now I guess that makes sense. I thought we had Marlon Marais a little bit lower. Uh, I know the UFC definitely has Mar- Marlon Marais a little bit lower. Um, I think the reason we kept him at 4 is we have at 5, 6, and 7 we have Edgar Munoz and Aldo that's interesting. I might have to reevaluate that. I don't know why Marlon Morice is so high. Um, hmm. Yeah, that doesn't seem right, but it's on there, so it must be right. But either way, this this is going to be a, a a solid fight, a very under the radar fight, uh, because uh, you know, Rob Font. I mean, not a lot of people are. Not a lot of people are clamoring to see Rob Font fight exactly. I wouldn't say he's the most popular fighter in the bantamweight division, but a very good one. Uh, Marais is the minus one fifty-five favorite. Um, yeah, th- this one, I am gonna go with uh, Marlon Marais on this one. I think he's the better fighter. Uh, it is a little, a little tricky because uh, he's thirty-two, so I don't, I don't think he's over the hill, I'd say he's probably towards the end of his prime, or maybe maybe even the middle of his prime. Uh, you know, but you gotta be tricky with with your your age at bantamweight. But I don't know, man. He's not he's not really the killer we we thought he was a couple of years ago. I mean, so he's one and two in his last three fights, but to be honest, he's zero and three in his last three fights because he got knocked out by Henry Cejudo in a fight he probably should have won. I mean, he kind of was kind of was putting the work on Cejudo in rounds one and rounds two and then, you know, gassed out because he's a... V- Marlon Marais is a fucking really big bantamweight, a really big bantamweight. Not exactly height-wise, but, you know, stature-wise, he's very big. He won a split decision against Jose Aldo, which he lost in in my mind. Actually, I'll look that up on MMA decisions because I want to see, see what the... Tr- All right, had a little bit of technical difficulty there, but we are back and I do want to see what the the esteemed members of the MMA media have to say about that Jose Aldo fight because I certainly thought Aldo won the fight now it was it was a very close one it was it was a it was a good fight no doubt um but a win for Marlon Moraes? not very sure so actually seems like the media is fairly divided I mean probably like 55 60 percent of the media thought Aldo won the rest for Marlon Moraes. so maybe it wasn't as crazy as we thought um but but either way, and then you know, got knocked out with a wheel kick by uh, uh, Corey Sandhagen. So things have not been going Mister Clean's way, uh, you know, since I mean fucking February of 2019, uh, when he when he had his last legitimate victory in, in my estimation. Um, and then Rob Font Rob Font too. I mean it, it wouldn't shock me like we saw this with a guy with uh, like like uh, Pedro Munoz was just kind of hovering, hovering around lower in 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 the rankings lower in the top 15 and a very good fighter and then they just get that one big win and now now look I mean Munoz has had a main event against Edgar you know he, he got to fight well I guess the the, the, the win over Cody Garbrand is what catapulted him you know into uh you know national relevance but I feel like that could be the same with uh, Rob Font if he wins to a lesser degree because Marlon Morce you know is not as big of a star as um, you know a guy like Cody Garbrandt uh, but but you know this this is a big deal this is a big deal for uh, Rob Font uh, he's on a, a two fight winning streak over uh, Ricky Simone and Sergio Pettis I, w- I wouldn't say that's the you know the greatest winning streak of all time I mean Sergio Pettis is a is a flyweight and you know Ricky Simone yeah I, 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 we still don't really know what Ricky Simone is uh, a couple of losses to uh, some good fighters, in uh, Rafael Sansao, Pedro Munoz, and John Lineker. But he doesn't have that signature win. He doesn't have that that that. Uh, I mean, if maybe one of these guys was ranked, but I don't think I don't think Douglas uh, Andrade was ranked. I don't think Almeida was ranked. I don't think Pettis or Simone was ranked. So I, I actually think he hasn't beat a ranked fighter. So actually, that kind of changes things for me. I thought he was uh, a, a little more of a established fighter. So actually, I really, I really think this, this is going to go in fa- in favor of, uh, of Marlon Marais. And, and again, it, it just comes down to, to context. I mean, you know, the, the competition for Marais, the competition for Font, very, very different. Uh, and, and they both are well-rounded fighters. They both could Uh, knock you out, they both could submit you, they they both are capable of winning by decision, although their average fight times are pretty darn low. I mean, Rob Fonts is nine and a half minutes, Uh, Marlon Rice is is a shade under seven minutes, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty low. I mean, you really don't see average fight times that low at Bantamweight. He does have 1.7 knockdowns uh, per 15, which seems rather high for Bantamweight. Um... Marlon Morris is just a really, really good striker. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about him on the ground. But, I mean, man, you know, Jimmy Rivera was the shit before he came up with, uh, or, you know, came to fight uh, Marlon Marais and got knocked out in 33 seconds of the head kick. I mean, knocking out, look at what all Sterling has done. Since getting knocked out by, by Marlon Mairice, so I I guess I guess if you're if you're picking Mairice here, I mean the silver lining is despite losing a lot of these fights recently, fuck man, I mean the, the wins that he compiled in 2016, 2017, 2018, you know after coming over from uh, the World Series of Fighting, man, he he was on a tear, and I think he'll get on back on track here. I I, I am gonna pick Marlon Marais, uh to beat Rob Font. How he beats him, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out on Saturday how he beats uh, how he beats Rob Font. But uh, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, moving on here, we're gonna have a welterweight fight, the most intriguing fight of the night, and I, I think I can say that with absolute certainty that the this is the most intriguing fight, maybe in the month of December. It's Michelle Pajeda taking on Chaos Williams. Uh, Pajeda is 24 and 11. Chaos Williams is 11 and 1. I'm getting giddy just imagining this fight. I am so fucking excited for this fight. It's insane. Uh, Odd Shark is gonna have Michelle Pajeda as the minus 130 favorite. They're gonna have Chaos Williams at even money. So, again, I don't know how that... How does that work? How do you make money if it's even money? Um... Yeah, I I am so fucking excited for this fight. I mean, I don't... I wish... I need to find the prop bets. Okay, this is a terrible on-air production meeting, but I need to find the prop bets for this fight because they have to be fucking ridiculous. Like, what are the odds that this fight lasts over a minute? Like, I have no fucking idea. Like, these are the two... Well, not so much... Chaos Williams is not so much goofy as he is a insane knockout artist. I mean, two, he has two 30-second knockouts in his first two UFC appearances. So, Chaos Williams... I think, technically, he has one minute in the octagon. But, um... Very, very good power for welterweight. I'm stumbling over my words here because this fight is fucking crazy. And M- Michelle Pajada is the, the motherfucker who does backflips and shit and you know does a bunch of goofy stuff so if you don't think that Michelle Pajeda is going to come into this fight see a guy like Chaos Williams who's uh, I promise you Chaos Williams has never seen anything like Michelle Pajeda and I actually think Michelle Pajeda's when he fights somewhat seriously is a very very good fighter it's when he you know gasses out because he's fighting like a fucking idiot you know doing backflips that's when things go bad for him but I feel very confident that this fight will not last the uh, the distance. I think that goes without saying. But, I mean, does this fight even last a minute? I mean, I could very easily see Chaos Williams flatlining Michelle Pajeda. Michelle Pajeda does, you know, in the first 10 seconds, maybe he does some goofy shit, you know, dancing with his feet and then just gets fucking flatlined by a right hand. Or... I could see Michelle Pajeda winning in, in 40 seconds because Chaos Williams comes in, and, you know, <laughs> Michelle Pajeda just does, you know, a rolling thunder. And just, you know, it, Chaos Williams never sees it coming. <laughs> he just, you know, out like a out like a light. So I am so excited for this fight. Um, so Bovada has the odds that this fight completes one round And they're going to say it's the minus 155 or minus 185 favorite that the fight finishes around. So I guess they're not predicting a super early finish. Uh, But it does become a favorite when it comes to does the fight complete two full rounds. So it's minus 155 that the fight does not see the end of round number two. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess, you know these sports books are set by expert sports bettors or, or whoever, and then they're obviously influenced by, like, you know, uh, bettors. So they're not exactly, you know, these odds are not exactly fucking God, you know, telling us what, what's gonna happen, but I do think it's crazy that, you know, it's not even the favorite that it's gonna, uh, or it, that it's not a favorite that the fight ends in the first round. I, I, I just can't envision it. I, I cannot envision it. I'm not gonna give a winner. I'm not gonna give a winner for this one because I don't want to poach. I don't want my picks to get poached. But I will say, I might pick either, and that and that's not lying. I st- I'm, you know what? I'm I'm still yet to decide because I don't know. I don't know. Uh, honestly, both of these fighters are are, are very and it's a cliche. Of course, every single fucking fighter who enters the octagon has a chance of winning, but I, I don't know, I really, I don't know I, I, I might flip a coin for this one, because it, it, it really is, it really does feel like that, I I, I honestly don't know I, I will say I'm picking a finish uh, I'm not picking this to go to a decision if, if that helps Drew, but, you know I, I, th- I think there will be a finish, I really do and a, a spectacular one I'd be, I'd be really, de- I'd be really sad if this fight just ended you know, because, oh, Chaos Williams knocked down Michelle Pajeda, and he gave a little ground and pound, and and the ref stopped it. I'd be really disappointed. Like, I want a highlight level. I want the knockout of the year to come on the final card of 2020. That, 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 this is what I want. But you don't exactly get what you want. All right, moving on to the co-main event. We'll have a bantamweight fight between... Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera. Jose Aldo is 28 and 7. Marlon Vera is 18, 6 and 1. We will take a look here at the Odds Shark Odds. They'll have Jose Aldo as a small minus 150 favorite. We'll also take a look here at North Star Sports uh, Bantamweight Rankings. They're going to have Jose Aldo sitting here at number 7 and Marlon Vera at 15. So Obviously, this there's a whole lot more on the line here for Marlon Vera. You know, just at a surface level, eight spots, eight spots. If he beats Marlon, or if he beats uh, Jose Aldo, he's number seven. So to go from 15 to seven is is huge. I don't know if this would be the fight I would make in the bantamweight division. I think there's a, I think there's probably like five other fights I would have made instead of. Uh, Marlon Vera and Jose Aldo when we're talking about fights you can make with Aldo but I like it I think it'll be a good fight like, I, like I've said you know the last year I think you could take any fighter 1 through 15 in the Bantamweight division and match them up against each other and I think it's going to be a really really awesome fight That that's just how stacked that's just how loaded the Bantamweight division is but I don't know man I would have loved to have seen so Dominic Cruz is coming back against Casey Kenny. Why the why in the fuck are we not having Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz fight each other? You know what I mean? Like So, I mean, this tells me that Jose Aldo wants another crack at the title because he's not just taking legacy fights. He's taking fights against, you know, real, albeit number 15, contenders, re- young, hungry fighters to try to get back there. But, like, that would be awesome. What a, what a legacy fight that would be. The greatest, well, okay, one of the greatest featherweights of all time versus... Uh, Okay, one of the greatest. It would depend. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would say Dominic Cruz is the greatest bantamweight of all time. Definitely top... You could not have him lower than top three. You could not have him lower than top three. I think for my money, he's probably number two. And Jose Aldo is probably the number two featherweight all time, in my opinion. Um, But still, I mean, two two surefire UFC Hall of Famers let's match them up together they're both not exactly not exactly at an advanced age but you know they got a lot of fucking miles uh, on those tires so why not that or why not Frankie Edgar and Jose Aldo holy shit would that be an awesome fight uh that would make sense because it's just two old guys going at it legacy fight um but you know whatever I mean this this will be a good fight I'm not complaining because this this will be uh, a, a very good fight um, I am gonna go with Jose Aldo. I think it's a little bit too much for uh, Marlon Vera. Although I'm am becoming a big fan of Marlon Vera because he knocked out you know the human coloring book and uh, the most overhyped man on the planet uh, Sean O'Malley Sugar Chin Sean O'Malley uh, only popular only popular because he smokes weed. Okay, that's cool. I mean that was that was that was cool when you know we were 13 to smoke weed. But, you know, have fun making that your entire identity. Uh, and uh, Sean O'Malley, I mean, oh, it was a sprained ankle. And then, you know, you're dancing you're dancing the next day after you, you know, got knocked out because of your, your ankle giving out. Like, that doesn't prove that you're tough. That doesn't prove that you're so tough that you're dancing a day later after you had a, a ankle injury or a foot injury and your fight. That proves that the injury wasn't that bad, which proves that you're not that tough, which proves that you're not that good, that you don't really want it that much. Because you're, you're you're just letting injuries that you can heal from in in less than 24 hours, you know, stop you from competing in in the octagon. So I I cannot stand Sean O'Malley. I, I don't honestly know any of his fans, although he has a lot of fans who will buy his overpriced merch. But uh, I don't know. I imagine his fans are just as insufferable. But um, yeah. So Marlon Vera. I mean, uh, welcome to the Cheeto Show, motherfucker. Um, but yeah, again, Jose Aldo. I don't know, man. It would... I mean, if Marlon Vera beats Jose Aldo, I mean, holy shit. I mean, one more fight and you're fighting for the title. Like, that would be... Uh, I would be incredibly impressed. I, I. And I wouldn't say it's impossible that Marlon Vera beats Jose Aldo. But again, it's just Jose Aldo... Fuck, man. It, it, he's, he's seen better days. I mean, he's not the champ. He, he definitely took many shots to the side of the head from uh, Piotr Jan. Uh, but, you know... Ah, this is still Jose Aldo, man. And and again, a lot of red on the resume, but I think I think he beat Marlon Moraes. Uh, I I really I really do. So there's a top-level win. So it's not like he hasn't had a top-level win in a long time. I, I think he had one in, you know, just a year ago. Just a year ago at at, at UFC 245. And uh, they're both they're both well-rounded fighters, but I just think Jose Aldo's better at 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 you know, every aspect. I, his his takedown defense is really fucking good. So if, if you know, Marlon Vera wants to try and take him down, ah, that's a pretty tall task. That's a pretty tall task. He's a very good boxer. I mean, his, his significant strike defense is 65%. 65%. You look at Marlon Vera, and again, Marlon Vera, he's fought some good fighters, but it's, Marlon Vera has not fought the level of competition that Jose Aldo has. And you look at his defense, 52%. He's landing 48 but he's, he, he's only defending on 52% of his significant strikes uh, attempted against him. He takes 4.1 significant strikes per minute. You're not going to last with Jose Aldo if that holds up. 3. Point, he lands 3.7, takes 4.1. That's, that's crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot of damage. Jose Aldo punches hard. He really fucking does. And he's a featherweight now down at bantamweight. So, you know, it's not even like oh he was a flyweight and moved up. No, no, no. He's moved, he moved down. So I mean, fuck me, you can't you can't last trading. I mean that that's what it tells me, that he's cool just standing in the pocket and trading. He'll take he'll take one. He'll take one to give one. That's not exactly gonna work against Jose Aldo. I mean, if if that does work, I mean, holy shit, I mean, you need to fight for the title. <laughs> you need to fight for the title. But yeah, I just I, I, I don't see it. And Marlon Vera, he 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 does attempt a fair amount of takedowns, but again, 42 percent success on his takedowns, but a 90 91 percent takedown defense for Jose Aldo. So again, it's like, okay, so what I what I could see happening here is oh, we stand and trade for a little bit. Maybe you get hurt hurt, or maybe some strikes just land on you, and you try to shoot for a takedown on Aldo denied okay, well, now we're back to kickboxing. Now we're back to just trading ones for ones, which is not going to happen because Jose Aldo is a smart fighter and you're going to get tuned up on the feet. Oh, shoot for a takedown, denied, because it's 91%. You know what I mean? And that's against guys like Volkanovsky and Holloway and, and, you know, not that those are, you know, elite ground guys, you know, not that that comes to mind, but, like, he's fought the best of the best for over a decade, and it's like, oh, denied, oh, one, two, one, two, one, two, kick to the head, fucking takedown, denied. So I just, I don't really see this, you know, maybe maybe they have a, a different game plan than, than, you know, what the stats would suggest, but it, it's just, man, I just don't see that happening. So we'll, we'll, we'll go Jose Aldo by who knows. I don't know. I don't know how Jose Jose Aldo wins. Maybe he wins by a uh, decision, maybe maybe he only wins by uh, a TKO, but I'm going to take a phone call here and we'll get right back to the show. Alrighty, we're back to the show after another fucking spam call, which I you know, I don't I don't know how I get so many spam calls. I could have swore I, I mean, I've blocked every fucking number from here to Timbuktu when it comes to spam. So much about my car's extended warranty, but I don't I don't have a warranty on my car. My car is from 2003. and It is uh, very, very pre owned. So, you know, I, you know I, don't, I don't know. I don't like that I get so many spam calls. Uh, but we have now reached the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the Welterweight division between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal. Uh, Thompson is 15 4 and 1. Jeff Neal is 13 and 2. We'll take a look here at the Odds Shark Odds. They're going to have uh, Jeff Neal as the minus 125 favorite Wonderboy thompson is the minus 105 favorite um that's that's pretty interesting i mean people are really high on jeff neal i'm high on jeff neal um but i'm not too sure about those that, those odds there i think they might be overlooking wonder boy thompson um we'll take a look here at north star sports lightweight or excuse me welterweight rankings uh, Wonder Boy Thompson sitting there at number 5, Jeff Neal at 12. So again, it seems like this is a common theme on this fight card. Established guys pretty high in the rankings versus young, young pups. And I mean, fuck, I mean, you can't overestimate the importance of this fight for Jeff Neal. You go up 7 spots if you win. You go up half the rankings if you win. You're in the top 5. I mean it's crazy, and, and, you know, shit happens, especially in 2020, fights fall out, um, you, you know what I mean, some people decline to fight, whatever, but, I mean, how crazy is that, I mean, this, it's a real thing, where it's like, to go from 12 to 5, for a lot of fighters, for a lot of fighters, is, okay, I have to take on number 10, okay, I beat number 10, all right, now I have to take on number 8, I just get by number 8, but I, but I uh, I break my foot. Okay, now I'm out for nine months. Now I can't get a fight. Now I'm out for fifteen months. Now I come back. Uh, now people are booked. Now I got to take on the number nine guy. Okay, now I beat the number nine guy. Now I can take on the number five guy. Like it might take you, it might take you two and a half fucking years, and it's not even your fault to go from twelve to five. But when you can do that, when you can do that in fifteen minutes, I gotta imagine Jeff Neal's. Not that he's. Not ever motivated, but I gotta imagine he's very motivated for for this fight, and he's a dangerous fighter. But I gotta tell you, do not overlook Wonder Boy Thompson. I, I feel like people have been doing that ever since he, he he lost those two title fights, uh, well draw, ever since he failed to win the title uh, twice. I feel like people overlook him. Wonderboy Thompson is still probably a top three striker in that division. You know, karate fighter very, very tricky. He presents a lot of problems. You you know, you don't land a lot of strikes on Wonderboy Thompson. So, this is a real step up. And again, you know, if, if Jeff Neal beats him, I mean, that tells me almost everything, almost everything I need to know about Jeff Neal. Because then we're at the point where it's like, okay, one more fight and you get you get a title fight. I mean, I, I, I think the UFC loves Wonderboy Thompson. I think that's why he's had a lot of main events. And like we were talking about I think we were talking about this a couple of shows ago. There are certain guys who if you beat them amazing things will happen for you. Amazing things. Like if you beat if you look at uh fighters after they beat RDA, oh dude, the UFC takes care of them. You're getting a title shot, you're getting a main event, you're getting you know what I mean cuz they respect RDA that much. He's that tough of a fighter, he's that good of a fighter, he's that much of a company guy that if you beat him I mean, we're, we're, we're on to much greener pastures. I feel like to, to a little bit of a lesser extent, you know, that's that's the deal here with, with Thompson. I mean, you, you don't—nobody, nobody has ever gotten by Wonderboy Thompson by accident. You, you, you just, and it's, it's very, very tough to look good and beat Thompson. It really is. Anthony Pettis did it. Anthony Pettis, you know, knocked him out in, in spectacular fashion. Um, you know, guy who was a world champ, very good striker, but that's really the only one who's ever fucking pulled the wool over over you know Thompson's head and looked good. I mean, he, he lost the decision very very young in his UFC career at at, at five and o, 6 and zero, to uh, Matt Brown. Okay, if he fought Matt Brown today, it would be a state sanctioned murder if it was approved by a commission. Thompson would it would even be close. But like, uh, the the draw with Tyron Woodley, uh, he got. I think in the first but I I hope I'm not confusing it or conflating it with the um, the second one but I guess we'll just go with those two fights with Woodley that were not wins I mean Woodley didn't Woodley sure as fuck didn't look good winning or defending his title I I think he rocked him maybe a couple of times uh, but he did not look good doing it Uh, Darren Till Darren Till lost that fight I do not care what anybody says Darren Till did not beat Wonderboy Thompson. The sole reason, the sole reason why Wonderboy Thompson won that fight, is because that that fight was in his hometown. If that fight was in the UK but not in his hometown, so if that fight if that fight wasn't in Liverpool, if it was in fucking London, he would have lost that fucking fight. Not even if he, not even if it was out of the country, if it was out of that particular city where he was born in, would have lost it. Should have lost it. Um. You know what? I'm pissed off about that fight. I want to look that up on MMA decisions because that was an that's you know, when people talk about robberies, that's a robbery. That's a robbery. Like you always see people talking about every single fight card, "Oh my god, this is a this is a robbery." No, it's just a decision you disagree with. That literally was a robbery. Dude, you had and these are a lot of English sounding names, so funny funny that we have scores like this. But we had Mark Collette score that 48-47 Thompson. By the way, Thompson won every fucking round of that fight. Maybe you could argue Till won one fight. But at a minimum, it should have been 49-46 for Thompson. Andy Roberts, boy, I wonder where Andy Roberts is from, uh, scored that one 49-46 for Darren Till. And Paul Sutherland scored it 49-46 for Till over Thompson. You look at the media scores. Oh, boy, let's see. Three have it 48-47 for Till. One has it 48-49 for Thompson. Uh, probably 10 have it 48-47 for Thompson. One has it 49-47 for Thompson. And the vast majority, probably 12, have it 49-46 for Thompson. That's a robbery if I've ever seen it. You know what? And this is boring fucking radio. I want to look this up. I want to look up these judges. I want to I know where, the, where these judges are from. Because I, I, I guarantee they're all fucking from the UK I, I promise you they're all from the the UK or at least the ones who had the fucking wackadoo scores um I don't know okay this might be a, this might be tough to find but w- w- whatever um yeah we'll skip that I could just I, I'm assuming they're from the UK I don't want to halt the fucking show to look up shit from you know 2018 but that that, that fight was just fucking wild man that was that was wild so honestly, when when you look at Wonder Boy, he he lost uh, Anthony Pettis. He beat Luque, He beat Masvidal. He beat Till. I don't care what anybody fucking says. So it's the, you know Wonder Boy's not on the decline. Like and he's only thirty five, which is if Wonder Boy was 30, even thirty seven, I I would mention the mention the age with more relevance. But thirty-five, I don't know. There's plenty of thirty-five-year-old welterweights. I mean, when you talk about being a champ and being thirty-five, like, okay, history's not on your side. But when you're just talking about still being a really good welterweight, thirty-five, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but, but you know, to talk a little more about Jeff Neal here, I mean, this this is a guy who who's dangerous. Uh, knocked out Mike Perry, that was pretty good. Knocked out Nico Price. Nico Price is dangerous. He's dangerous. A win over Bilal Muhammad, a guy who we have ranked at 13. The head kick on Frank Camacho was fucking brutal. That was brutal. And Frank Camacho, again, a, a guy who probably is going to get... No, he did get cut by the UFC, so a guy who's not a UFC fighter. Um, but that that will always be on Jeff Neal's highlight reel. That, that was a... I mean, Camacho was just bloodied and battered. That was, I think, the first fight I ever watched and committed to somewhat memory was his fight with frank camacho um he does have a loss on the regional scene to kevin holland that's that's notable but uh you know kind of irrelevant so you know uh, a seven fight winning streak i think thompson's gonna win i think i think neil is the trendy pick i think neil's really really good it's just we've never we've never seen it where's the win over a top 10 guy you know what i mean and you know the, I, I hate to use that as an argument, but it's just, you know, Neil could win. It's just, man, this is probably this is probably two steps above what he's ever fought. You know what I mean? Wonderboy, title challenger top 5. I think Perry's been in the rankings before. Uh Muhammad is in the rankings now. But like, okay, you're talking about guys who barely entered the top 15. You know what I mean? And hey, if he beats Wonderboy Thompson, then that's awesome. Then that proves everything I said wrong. But it's just, man, this is a couple of levels up for him. So I'm still very high on Jeff Neal for the future. Um, I'm glad to see. <coughs> I'm glad to see that he's getting a, a main event. I, I do think that's well earned. But it's just, man, Wonderboy Thompson. Let's not sleep on this guy. Let's not. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I think. I think Thompson still, you know, might might have. Uh, a, a little bit left in the tank here um and also Wonderboy boy thompson's one of the nicest people on on the uh, on the planet um but you know it, it's going to be even these guys are as goldberg would say these guys are virtually identical i mean thompson's got an inch in height but you know very very identical and the the thing for for me as well is jeff neal average fight time a little more than six minutes, basically seven minutes. Wonderboy Thompson, a lot of decisions. His average fight time is 13 minutes, almost 14 minutes. And, you know, what happens What happens if the fight goes to the third round? I mean, Jeff Neal obviously been to the third round before, but he's never been to the third round with an elite striker like Thompson. So I almost wonder, I almost wonder for Jeff Neal, if you, if you... Do you, do you try to take it to the ground And and I'm sure, obviously, Wonderboy, you know, trains on the ground. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't know, man. I don't think you're going to have a striking advantage against Thompson. I I think there's only, like, three fighters in the entire division who you could even claim have a striking advantage on Thompson. Um, I don't think Thompson's going to go for takedowns, although... So, Jeff Neal's 92% takedown defense is a little irrelevant, although that's very high. Uh, Thompson's is 78, which is pretty darn high as well. So even if you want to take down Wonderboy and Thompson, he knows that fighters are going to want to take him down. 78's pretty high. I don't think a takedown's not something that he could get. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the game plan is for for Jeff Neal. I think Neal probably has, I think there's a power differential. I think Jeff Neal probably, uh, you know, has the advantage power wise. But trying to land a lucky strike on on uh, on Thompson, boy, I mean. It just really hasn't happened you know what I mean so I don't know I'm gonna go Wonderboy Thompson uh on this one I just I don't know it, it it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if Jeff Neal wins this fight but I just I, I don't I don't see it I just think it's a couple of notches too high for Jeff Neal I think he'll get there eventually no doubt but uh yeah I'm gonna go Wonderboy Thompson on this one all right, so with that, we have uh, completed the uh, preview here of UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neal. Uh, we'll obviously, we'll obviously have the uh, the main card showdown, uh, December Grand Prix finale, I guess, in its modified form, uh, on uh, on Saturday, and uh, you know, you can check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. You can follow me on Twitter at OwenEalyMN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at Northstar MIN. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.